the Virgin Radio Pridecast. Proudly supported by Disney Plus. Full of stories and love for all. Hello and welcome to the season finale of Virgin Radio Pride's Teletalks. As you probably know by now, we've been getting to know a different celebrity's viewing habits by having a good old rifle through their personal telly guide and finding out their five formative LGBTQ plus TV shows. And that rifling has uncovered some real gems. So Benji, what's been your favourite show? Well, I think my favourite part of making this show has been watching stuff I'd never seen before. And when DJ Fat Tony emailed us through with The Naked Civil Servant, I, you know, in my mind, I had the picture of someone working in government with no clothes on. Um, (laughs) But it wasn't that. It was about legendary um, queer activist Quentin Crisp. Uh, And it's just the most fabulously camp ahead of its time TV film I've ever seen. Yeah, a real piece of education, that one as well. And talking about eccentricity, we've had a few of those kind of guests. What's been your favourite anecdote that you've had from our guests over the last five episodes? Well, there's been some real deep and meaningful stuff, but my favourite was Joe McKeldy dressing in women's wigs. (laughs) Um, This was obviously before he came out of the closet, and um, he dressed as Karen Walker from Will and Grace. Um, So he was sort of parade around the poolside when he was on holiday in Spain with a pigtail coming out the back of his head. And it was just a very different way to view Joe, because obviously you imagine him on X Factor, but uh, yeah. I think he was dared to go to the breakfast room in his drag attire and oh, oh and he did it he did it i mean if you can do that you can do the x factor can't you no problem right on with our sixth and final guest on teletalks this season she's a singer and songwriter who shot to fame after appearing on the x factor in 2012 with her own song last night or as we know it better beer fit the song shot up the charts after her appearance and was number five in the midweek chart updates. Despite making it to the live shows, she was heartbreakingly forced to withdraw after falling ill. But my gosh, that hasn't stopped her. She's since gone on to release six studio albums with her most recent choices debuting at number five in the UK album charts. And on the 26th of August, she'll release her latest single, Everything Changes. Lucy Spragham, welcome to Teletalks. Hello. Hi, Lucy. It's great to have you in the studio with us. But um, can I just check on one thing first? You do watch a lot of telly, don't you? Well, I've been known to. I I work an awful lot, but when I do have the time, I, I sit down. But if I get into something, that's it then. Like, I'm doing six hours. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm going to binge it. When you're on the road performing, do you have it on your phone or your laptop or do you save it for kind of lazing around at home it's a lazing thing i'm like oh i've got a whole monday or like tuesday's afternoons empty that's it sofa tv done so you can do a whole series in like one sitting quite happy to do that it has to be like that otherwise i'll i'll let it fall by the wayside (laughs) and and what's your current obsession then oh what is on at the moment oh uh, is it called how to build a sex room um, yes, I, I, I think so, Lucy. Um, <laughs> What's your current obsession, though? <laughs> it's on Netflix. It's yeah, on Netflix. Yeah. Honestly. Oh my gosh, this sounds great. What, what really is good. it? It's, I mean, it's, like kind of, it's an American show, but it's a it's a like old old like fifty year old English woman who is an architect, but she also builds sex rooms for people. So they like tell their story. One of them's like, I'm a builder. She's like, I'm a dentist. And we want to build a sex room in our, in our basement. Amazing. And, uh, and, and have you picked up any tips from this? Yeah. 
<laughs> We're all going around and to Lucy's tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's kick things off, Lucy. What's your first telly pick? My first is Queer as Folk. You'll have anyone. He's nothing. He's no one. He's, he's ugly. I was there. I was there all night and I really like you. He doesn't even know you. Nathan, I've had you. So what was it about Queer as Folk that made you pick it as your first pick and what made you connect with it so much? I so I didn't watch it as a teenager. I was like probably too young to be watching Queer as Folk, but my mum, um, growing up I was surrounded by gay people, well, just LGBT plus my mum's not gay, but she wishes she was. Um, <laughs> she thinks it's a really cool gang, but she's she's in it by proxy because she has a gay daughter, which is her favourite thing. Yeah. But so she was obsessed with uh, Queer as Folk when I was growing up. And I, I remember specifically the soundtrack and they have the I am what I am. I yeah. Am praise. And I remember like hopping around to that as a child. And none of my family remember when I came out because it was so insignificant. And now when I think back to me dancing to that, I think, yeah, quite clear, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's Joe McEldry with the wigs again. One of those moments, isn't it? Well, he talked about his mum as well and how I think it was Joe or... I'm pretty sure it was that this kind of close relationship actually didn't make coming out. His mum was, I think, was a thera- some kind of therapist or social worker. It didn't make coming out so significant, like you say. And I guess we all, we all wish we had that mum, don't we? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But was, was that the same for you then? Was it really hugely significant for you? Or was it like quite casual? Or I, I, I remember something completely different to what she does. And, and my brother and sister like, I don't know, we, we, we have no idea when you came out. It just wasn't a thing. What do you remember and what does she remember? I remember going into her room and like making a bit, I was a bit like, oh, a bit stressed about it. And I said, I don't like this girl from my class. And she said, why? And I said, it doesn't matter, but my girlfriend's prettier than her. And I turned on my heel and slammed the door <laughs> just to make it dramatic. That's what I remember. And she quite literally just remembers me walking down the driveway going, I'm gay, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which is true because they both sound right. I wish I'd done the driveway one. (laughs) (laughs) um, Do you also think that there aren't enough lesbians on TV shows like Queer as Folk? It's called Queer as Folk. It could have been filled with all sorts of different people, but actually it was dominated by young gay men. I mean, do you think that's an issue, still an issue to this day? I do, actually. I think it's quite a big issue. Um, I'm good friends friends with uh, Victoria Scon of Drag Race. We went to Gran Canaria last week. It was like the most gay holiday. I think that is the best name drop we've had in a Teletalk studio. We were with Tea and Coffee as well. So it was like drag, Gran Canaria. I think that's too gay for Gran Canaria, to be honest with you. It was unbelievable. Um, But we talk about it a lot. If you're looking for... Um, a different kind of representation, like lesbian representation. Um, often you can find some lesbians. They might be middle-aged, they might be wearing brogues, they might be wearing jackets, like dinner jackets. And, and that's what I grew up looking at. Um, but yeah, in, in the, the short answer, there is a lack of lesbian representation. What do you think that is about? What, why do you think that is still the case? It's a difficult one... It's difficult because I think it goes into patriarchal uh, models in society and lesbians kind of being slightly useless to the men at the top. Uh, it's, you know, 
it, 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 I, as far as I can gather, it, it's something like that. But um, I don't truly know. Otherwise, I'd be trying harder to fix it. I am trying hard, but. And, and yet, having said all that, Queer as Folk is still one of your favourite shows. But uh, can I suggest, like, Hazel was an amazing character. Do you remember he was, she was the mother of one of the main characters and she yeah. was this incredibly strong woman. She was the matriarch of the show. Um, was she a favourite of yours? Yeah, and, and it's only, I'm only just kind of remembering when you said Hazel then, I was like, yeah, these memories are... The essence of Queer as Folk is more, to me, this TV show than... The characters it's so yeah. weird when you said it then i was like i remember the soundtrack and the essence of it but yes and also at the same time i do love for there to be those strong powerful female roles when there's not a lesbian mm. um, and, and but you yourself have lived a lot of your life in the public eye do you feel that to some degree you either by default or otherwise become one of those sort of role models yourself and how does that feel well, I hope so. Um, like, my role models growing up were always, rather than people on TV and stuff, they were, like, pub landladies or nasty teachers at school, like, female ones that scared me a bit, who I really fancied. But um, I I do always want to be as strong a woman as I can possibly be, because I think, as a woman, if you... Yeah, the most important thing you can learn is to be strong. And, and obviously you were in the public eye partly because um, you were on X Factor, which is like, it's been 10 years since you actually auditioned on that show, almost exactly. I mean, what are your memories and overriding feelings of being on that show now? It was a whole lot of stress. It was very stressful and I was very young. But it was, it was an experience. Everything in life is one of those things that creates you. Um, and it was definitely one of those. And it was very camp. If you think, if I actually think back to it, if it was me now and they were like, right, we're going to put all this makeup on you, I'd be like, oh, my God, do it. But at the time, I like didn't have enough identity to let somebody try and mould mine. So now I'd be like, yeah, dress me up in whatever you want. Like, let's have fun. Yeah, because you'd know who you are, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, it was like a pantomime every Saturday night. It was Campus Christmas, you know. Yeah. You had Louis, Sharon. People booing, people, people cheering, booing. Yeah. you know. Um, Didn't they cancel booing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't be allowed to boo now, no. would you? Do you think that's a shame? Do you think that? Do you think, <laughs> do you think it's a shame that if they did X Factor now? Because they are oh. talking about potentially bringing it back. Yeah. It would ha- you know, you could couldn't have Simon and Louis saying nasty things anymore. And do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Be honest. I, I don't know. I guess there's ways to say things. I make records and I'm making my seventh record now. I don't go into a record label and they're like, boo! <laughs> we heard that album. And so therefore, like, maybe if, if the X Factor is viewed as a platform for you to then move into the industry... It's probably not okay to be booed. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's a TV show. That's the thing, exactly. isn't it? Then, then that's the difference, sort of thing. Yeah. But um, but uh, would you, do you ever think, God, if only I could go back in time or or have another go at it? Would you do it? I I never think about whether I'd change things because I can't. Right. I would not change my life now. So that's a. I think that says it all. Well, plenty more telly picks coming up from Lucy Spraggan after a short break. Teletalks, Virgin Radio Pride. You're listening to Teletalks on Virgin Radio Pride. Singer-songwriter Lucy Spraggan joins us as we delve into her top telepics. We're off to a cracking start. Lucy, what else have you got for us? This one is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, it takes time. You can't just have coffee and expect... I know. 
There's just so much to work through. Trust has to be built again on both sides. You have to learn if, if we're even the same people we were, if you can fit in each other's lives. It's a long, important process. Can we just skip it? Can, can you just be kissing me now? Now, this pick, I assume, refers to Willow and Tara's kiss in 2001, such an important moment in lesbian representation on screen. Now, how old would you have been when you seen this? I was born in 91, so I would have been 10. So would you have seen it as it had gone out or would you have been a bit young? I think I probably would have somehow come across it. I remember it quite vividly. But what I remember more was the relationship that they had because the kiss was quite late it was the fact that they were in a relationship and i think I, there's like a there were i remember quite vividly a scene of them being just like sitting in bed together which and is I, wild i think they got together after buffy's mum died i can't i can't remember i mean it must have been a significant moment for you. Obviously, 10 years old, that kind of age. Do you, I mean, did you know about your sexuality when you saw it? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I sent my first Valentine's card when I was five in reception to another girl um, called Ella. My mum was like, oh, she, she asked Ella's mum if I could send it. She was like, of course you can, don't be ridiculous. But so I, I knew, I, I always knew, I think, but what I remember what was mad about Buffy was that I could see it somewhere that wasn't like some of my mum's friends that were lesbians. That's wild, because when you look at TV as a young gay person in the 90s, you, you didn't really see it anywhere, especially as a lesbian, I don't think. Well, even when you look at TV now for young people, I mean, this massive show, Heartstopper on Netflix, had, if I'm correct, no lesbian representation. <sighs> So have we moved backwards? Have we stagnated? I, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, it's a really difficult one. Uh, as far as we're aware, I'm the first out British lesbian to have a top 10 album in the last 20 years. And I've had two. And I'm the only. And that doesn't mean that I'm great. I wish it did mean that I was great. But it means that there is a huge lack. There's a huge lack of lesbian representation across the board. And that's not because of lesbians, it's because of women. So, like, women are underrepresented a lot of the time too. Um, and a small percentage of those are lesbians. And so, actually, it's, it's, it's across everywhere. And when you look at it, you go, oh, yeah, where are all the lesbians? We're here. We just can't really be seen. And we just need a, a bit more of a platform. And stuff like this, like, that's 2001. And imagine at the time people were like, Wow! Yeah, we're still waiting for that fundamental shift, I think. For your watershed moment, Yeah, right? we're like, lesbians are here! <laughs> we're here and we're queer! <laughs> now, um, you may think this pithy for a question, but do you remember your first kiss and, you know? <laughs> I do, actually. Uh, my first kiss... My first kiss actually snogging someone was actually a boy and it was the most horrendous experience of my life. Oh, thanks very much, Lucy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> never again, never again. Um, I, I don't know if I remember kissing a girl for the first time. Um, I was obsessed with it. So, like, as soon as I could kiss any girls, I was like, I want to kiss all the girls. But I, uh, I had, like, quite serious... I came out properly 
from what we can trace <laughs> around like 13, 14. So it must have been a little bit before then. That's quite young to be feeling all these feelings. I just worked out, by the way, that you were six or seven when you watched Queer as Folk. I mean, I was quite shocked, and I think I was 23. I, I, I saw a lot of growing up, guys. So that's, that's not the worst thing. Queer as Folk was mild. <laughs> is, is this this brainwashing that uh, people talk about, that you were, you, that you were brainwashed with oh my Buffy God, my, and my Queer as Folk? therapy. Yeah, it works the other way. What can I watch to undo it? I don't know. Match Good of the day? Britain. Match of the day. Good morning, Britain. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, think, I think in time it will change. These things take a long time to change. But you're absolutely right. It's hard to believe it's been over 20 years since this. But, but sorry yeah. to interject. I kind of disagree with you there, Rod, because you say in time it will change and that's leaving the change to happen or the pendulum to swing. And what do we see in 21 years? years since um, Ellen DeGeneres came out and it wrecked her career uh, and later she managed to kind of get back on track and then Buffy in 2001 I don't think in 21 years a lot has changed no, hugely. It, it hasn't really and if I was if I said to you think of a gay male artist British male artist you yeah. could probably just reel them off and keep going and keep going and keep going yeah there's not the same for give me a gay British artist like women yeah that's not me yeah <laughs> I sound so egotistical, Lucy. I, I know that's what, not me. I'm awful, but <laughs> no, it's true. But it's true, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, um, no, I know exactly what you mean. And that's that's kind of mad because sometimes I struggle to think of other British, especially like, and you think in a commercial space. I can tell you a few that are, you know, that do the circuits and stuff like that. But in commercial space, the problem is we're not playlisted on commercial radio. Mm. We're not playlisted on national radio, and and I don't know why. Um, I don't, I don't know what homophobia is specific to lesbians is called. What is that called? Lesbophobia. Lesbophobia, Let's yeah. Let's just name it that. <laughs> <laughs> um, another great pick, Lucy. So what is up next? Uh, I picked It's a Sin for my next one. You don't think that it's tuberculosis? Then what is it? <laughs> what do you think it is? What do you think it is? Well, as you can imagine, It's a Sin been quite a popular choice for Teletalks and every time we revisit it, we, I guess, learn something new about why someone connected with it. Um, why did you connect with It's a Sin when it was on? I think the education that it gave for someone my age to see what happened the generation before. Like, obviously, as LGBT people, like, you know about the AIDS crisis and you you know people that have lost people, you know family members that have lost friends or lovers or whatever. But that was like, you saw it from a completely personal perspective and it kind of broke my heart a bit to see what people suffered in a, in order for us to have what we have now. Um, and especially the way that gay people were treated through that whole time. It's awful. What I thought was good about It's a Sin, and I wonder if you agree, is that whereas with something like Queer as Folk, it was very male-centric, this was quite male-centric by its nature, but also you had the character of Jill there, who was kind of the mother of these boys, um, but she was a, a pivotal role, and Jill's mother in the show was played by the real-life Jill. So... 
again, the women played their part in that whole era, and it was nice that that was remembered as well, don't you think? I did, yeah, I remember watching it and thinking, this, this, it, do you know what? To me, it just felt like that was how it went down, and the fact that the characters, you know, with Jill and that was in it, like you had, it, it's it's how it went down. Mm. So they they couldn't shove more representation or whatever because this was about that time. It was a, a a remake of that time as those people remembered it, and I just find that incredible. What I've noticed about your picks so far is um, obviously we've had Buffy, but we've had experiences that have happened to gay men. So, do you feel a strong sense of kind of um, identity by the whole of the LGBTQ plus um, experience? Definitely. I think as soon as you're old enough to go out, the gay bars are your church, aren't they? They're where you're safe, they're where you're protected. So you go and you make friends with other gay people and you you realise this whole world is waiting out there. That's why Queer as Folk, you know, it was mad, mad for me. A lot of people watched it and then went to Manchester like all the other way around. I watched it as a kid and then I was in those bars when I was like 15. 10, 16. oh, yeah. sorry. Pulling yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Full> pints. <laughs> but, but yeah, I do. Like, I feel that we're all trans people, you know, yeah. gay, lesbian, bisexual, asexual. We, they, they put us weirdos in a, in a little rainbow box and I, I think, cool. Do you remember your first experience? I know that your history is, sounds like somewhat of a haze, but um, do you remember your first experience in a in a gay bar? Um, yeah, I think so. I think like the first, well, it was Canal Street because I grew mm. up in Derbyshire, so we'd hop on the train and go out in Manchester. And I, I spilt a whole pint on a girl that I fancied. So <laughs> On purpose, was no. it? <laughs> I opened a lolly and it was on a table and, like, you know, the, the top came off too hard and I just slapped this beer all over it. And that's why I remember it so vividly. Uh, why, why were you eating a lolly in a bar on Canal Street? Gay bars. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Yeah. Say no more. And it's interesting, this, because... Don't you think that men and women also get on really well when sex gets taken out of the equation? Because yeah. I always think that in, in in the heterosexual world, women in particular are slightly suspicious every time a man speaks to them. They're just trying to get them in bed, probably. But would you think with men and women in, in like in the in, on the gay scene, it's very much like you probably know if a guy's talking to you, he just wants to talk to you, and you get along quite well. I I does. I think it's more of the attitude that the, that gay men have because uh, I know a lot of gay men who think of like straight guys being at the sort of top of the list and then gay guys are slightly underneath because they are sometimes cast out of parts of society and bullied by them and then underneath, underneath those are the women so it's kind of like yeah in the in the pecking order they understand women a little bit better. Mm. than just the guys who are just strolling around. Hi, yeah. women are sexy. Like, Yeah. So, yes. Yes. I don't think it's the taking sex out of it thing. I think it's shared shared social experience that brings us closer together. Interesting. Uh, and and sh um, if I can interject, and shared otherness, you know. During the Lionesses game, people said, this is amazing for women's sport. It's amazing for women's sport and anyone else that hasn't ever been allowed into men's sport. So that's basically the whole of the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Yeah. It, it, it's everyone else that isn't that kind of person that's allowed to play sport. Yeah, I think it's a privilege. It's a thing based on privilege mm. and the privilege that you don't have. Do you sometimes find a lot of shared ground with people mm. in that? 
yeah. Although it's interesting what you were saying before is that is that perhaps as gay men we're not as conscious of the fact that we still retain a certain amount of that privilege yeah. just by sheer virtue of the fact we're men without even realising mm-hmm. it, you know. So it's an interesting point of view. Yeah. Interesting point of view. We'll be back with more from Lucy Spragan on Virgin Radio Pride. Teletalks. Virgin Radio Pride. Welcome back to Telly Talks on Virgin Radio Pride. We're here with Lucy Spragan making our way through her top telly picks. What should we go for next, Lucy? This one is Arthur, as in the cartoon, Arthur. Every day when you're walking down the street, everybody that you meet has an original point of view. And I say, hey, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. To the rhythm, rhythm of the street, open up your eyes, open up your ears, get together and make things better by working together. It's a simple message, and it comes from the heart. Believe in yourself, for that's the place to start. Lucy, when your picks came through ahead of your appearance on Teletalks, I saw this one and I was excited and totally baffled in equal measure. Please break down the LGBTQ plus <laughs> significance of the cartoon, Arthur. Well, I was thinking about this. Uh, you know you fancy cartoon characters when you're little? No. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 you can't lie to no, me about I that. Know. This is a good leveller, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Did you fancy any cartoon characters? Did I fancy any cartoon like characters? Like Jessica Rabbit for me. Although I don't think there was that many sexy... Johnny Bravo? Oh, Jimmy Neutron. What? <laughs> what no? I mean, I was a child. He was a child. <laughs> I love that. Okay. But, but, oh, not only, right, I don't think I fancied anyone from Arthur, but I have fancied cartoon characters. That's very true. In Arthur, they're all animals, right? They're all different animals. He's an aardvark. I think his whole family are aardvarks. Yeah. His best mate's a rabbit. None of them have any, like, none of them care. The teacher's a rat. No one cares. They're all different things. They're all different animals, but there's no like socioeconomical breakdown based on what they are. And actually, I know that's quite deep because it's Arthur, but if you look at it, it's kind of how like society would be if it would be lovely if those ideals were true. Well, I, th- I think that's a fairly decent point and it probably has that effect on children who, who, who can see that. Although in 2019, Arthur became the only children's cartoon to feature a gay wedding. I saw this. this yeah. <laughs> well, hang on, between what and what? An aardvark and something else? Or... Yeah, it was an aardvark and a rat. Can I just say, I feel like I'm on drugs right now listening to all this because I don't have it. I'm, I'm not familiar with this. And so when oh. you. So, sorry, I'm sorry. Look at your gasp there. This is the only time in Teletalk so far that you've well, been left out. Well, because out. I, 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 when I hear Arthur, I, there was a film uh, from about 40 years oh, ago with, Li- with Liza Minnelli. And, um, That's uh, what we're talking about, gay representation. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it was, it was Liza Minnelli and Dudley Moore and he played Arthur in that. But, I mean, I, I did assume that that wasn't what you were talking about there. 
there. But I feel like I want to watch this now. This could be a real education for me. Well, it's, it was. I just remember it being very fair. Like every character was just who they were, and it wasn't like, oh, this guy's a rabbit. Or like this guy's a bear. Yeah, I mean, you, you. As soon as that theme tune came on, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was like the coming home from school theme tune. Uh, I can hear it totally. And yeah, by you know, as soon as that thirty minutes started, you completely forgot about the fact that Arthur was an aardvark. He looked a bit weird for an aardvark, that's why it didn't really look like an aardvark. And wasn't Mr Ratburn in the opening credits swimming in the pool with his nose out and it looked like a shark? Yes. Wow, um, what a memory. Yeah. I was reading about the wedding as well. Uh, Alabama didn't show this. They, yeah. they refused to show this particular uh, cartoon where they got married. In, 20, oh, in 2019. Ju just that episode. Just mm -hmm. that one. They played the rerun instead. How funny. And I think... I think it's funny that I picked it and then I Googled it and I read that and I thought, oh, they are actually doing the work for LGBTQ plus representation. Well, you wouldn't be the first person to choose a kids TV show because Fat Tony kind of mentioned that he wished he'd put in, was it Rainbow? That's right, yeah. yeah. Rainbow. So Rainbow was a kids TV show in the <laughs> 70s and the 80s. And um, again, it featured these sort of animals. So there was a big bear... There was a little camp hippo and then there was Zippy. I don't know what animal he was, but it was all very camp. Yeah, I mean, it's called Rainbow, for God's sake. Um, so, so yeah, no, no, you, you must but they, Google But it. the point is they weren't identifying as gay, but they were still formative LGBTQ plus experiences by way of their yeah. character. Yeah, that's right. It, it, was, it was, Again, it was kind of a metaphor for the LGBTQ plus community. Whether or not that was accident or design, I don't know. But it sounds very similar to your, to this. Yeah. You know, where, where you're looking at this. There's only I think there's only one human, in inverted commas, on the screen. And there's all these other animals he's interacting with them. And, and no one bats an eyelid. It's like, it's fine. You know, the hippo's talking to the bear and the bear's talking to the guy. <laughs> and, and there's a big rainbow over them, you know. It's just, uh -huh. it sounds bizarre. Sounds so. like a few of the clubs I've been to. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it is yeah, that if you're watching things like that when you're little, I guess it's it, in a strange way, that's what you take with you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I've just remembered the, the big tall blonde guy from Scooby Doo, I quite liked. Oh, I, the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a, he had a little, um, he had a little yellow neckerchief, I seem oh. to remember. So, dead giveaway. <laughs> we'll be back with Lucy Spraggan's final top. Telly Pit. Telly Talks, Virgin Radio Pride. Unfortunately, Lucy, we've come to your final Telly Talks pick on Virgin Radio Pride. What's left on your list? Uh, it's Coronation Street. I'm sorry, Roy. I've said something I should. No, no. It's me. I've not said something I should. And I'm afraid it's something quite big. And I don't know how you're going to take it. Why? What? what? But I want you to know first that. However much I've loved your company, I will understand if you don't want to see me again. Nothing would make me not want to see you again, Hayley. This might. Why? What is it? Well, it's something to do with my past. Your past? Several years past now, but... What? I'm a transsexual. I mean, I'm not a female by birth, Roy, but by choice. So, just to check on this one fact here, you are, first and foremost, a Corrie fan. Is that fair to say or not? 
Right. No, I'm specifically remembering this point in my childhood, which is really poignant from this exact storyline. Interesting. Why? Why Why this exact storyline? So it was the storyline of Hayley Cropper, who right. was a trans woman in... And I don't know what year. Do you know well, it was late year? 90s, because I remember this happening at the time. And what was really weird about this was that nobody... Well, a few people batted an eyelid at this, but there wasn't some furore about it. And she just was sort of casually introduced into the storylines. but And then she became like this national treasure. Yeah. And um, I love that. Yeah. And it's like, it, it does actually speak of the times mm. now versus then and the fury surrounding trans people. Like, it's... Where, where did that come from? Well, we know where it came from. People like J.K. Rowling and those people with massive platforms who just want to be toxic. But back then, that's a really magical thing for a nation who didn't really know anything about trans people at all, um, for it to be on Coronation Street then. Yes. And that's not like it being on it now. I, I mean, the power of Corey back then when, I mean, Rod, you'll have a better idea what... Te- 10 million people a night, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, back in the 80s, it was like 20 million. But, but yeah, it was still huge. I mean, double it goes figures. to their living rooms. Yes. And it basically forces them to have these conversations that, that they would have, that people may have been reluctant to have had anyway, or made it may have just cast them off, you know, something that doesn't affect them. But someone they loved on this soap was going through this. Yeah. And they had to face it, didn't they? And that's what TV does as well, doesn't it? It gives you yeah. the feeling that that person's experiencing yeah. slightly different. And so that's why I thought it was so groundbreaking. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because that was quite casually introduced in the late 90s and through into the noughties. And, and now the conversation around the trans situation has become very fractious and there's lots of friction involved in it. Don't you think it's strange that something like that, that didn't cause that much controversy then somehow has now become this huge issue? It, it, yeah, because it just shows how much hate we have, free-hanging hate we have hanging in society at the moment. And it's whatever the fruit of the moment is, I'll grab it down and I'll hate it. because, And I'm not sure why. Maybe it's a political thing or it's the current temperature of the world, quite literally, but there's a lot of that going on. But there's also like lovely things going on. And the more I get involved with the trans community, like I see how much excellence is going on. But you just have to really look for it. The trouble is, of course, that the LGBTQ plus community, as we see it as a whole, but there's certain sections within that, both radical feminists, of which some are lesbians. So, yes. They um, aren't supportive of the trans issues and some of them are opposed to them yeah what's your viewpoint on that i'd rather lose them from the community i'd rather them force themselves out and just leave quietly via the back door because we're all happy with our trans brothers and sisters and our, the, the gay men the lesbians and the non-binary people we've always really just existed together and the yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm a lesbian with the I'm the L with the T very much so. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Cuz cuz as as a community, we've always been very clear, quite clear at least that who the people that dislike us are. You know, yeah. they're they're the extremists yeah. on on the right. Yeah. But a lot of these people that the turfs as you mentioned are probably more traditionally left-wing. Yeah. So now we're sort of 
there's almost like a friction on two fronts there. It's a strange situation to I, find yourselves in, I isn't it? I find it... So I have this theory about it, and it's that if you quite literally haven't been exposed to enough real trauma, you'll sort of look at other people who are healing from trauma and be like... I need a bit of that healing. What can I pick to be my trauma? But trauma doesn't work like that. So a lot of these TERFs are going, well, trans people are my trauma. And you're like, whoa, wait, what did trans people do to you? Well, they just did. They just existed. I don't like that. And so that's that's what they choose to be their trauma. And it's a really twisted way of like picking trauma for yourself. I mean, it would be amazing to have another Hayley Cropper oh, that... Yes somebody that we all love and that people who don't know trans people can relate to and then we see who they really are as a person you know and that's what tv does so well you know it lures people in and then it shows them actually this thing you don't understand where it's real and someone you love is going through it because that's all phobia is isn't it yeah. it's being afraid of something you don't know why are people homophobic well most of the time because they don't know a gay person they've just heard about what they can be like quote unquote you know um and heartstopper was aimed at a younger generation who arguably uh, are more progressive um, and they had a great trans character and the fact that this character was trans was totally incidental to the plot. You know, no one batted an eyelid. But if we had that for people who are scared or worried and they don't know what trans issues are or they think we're going to take away their changing rooms or their loos and all of this kind of stuff, then that, for me, is where TV comes to life i totally agree with you and i actually till i was at some from when i was very little till i was 11 i lived as max i was a boy like oh, i didn't just look like a boy i was like a boy i lived as a boy a uh, boy's underwear grade two haircut like and i remember the, the storyline being on and i went to school and we like a few weeks later they said what does everyone want to be when they grow up and they went and policeman firefighter and i went i want to be a transsexual from that and they called home and said to my mum like well they called me max at the time like max has said he wants to be a transsexual my mum was like yeah so why are you calling and then like just ended the phone call because i think for her like my mum's best friend was trans uh so i had trans trans people around me growing up gay people around me growing up and i think that storyline for me at least when i was little was like oh that's a thing wow you could be whoever you want to be and that's for me why it was such a pivotal thing and I if you if you'd have wanted to stay as max yeah. it sounds like correct me if i'm wrong that your mum would have supported you and so so why didn't you i've got a book coming out next year that's it's all about my entire life but there is a there's a chapter about me being max and i think i i don't regret staying as Lucy, but it took me a really long time to work out who I was as Lucy. But nowadays, if I was 10 now, I think I would have stayed as Max and I would have transitioned. You would have taken the puberty blockers and yeah. all that. But you, you can see how that's a controversial thing. Because oh, once I definitely you... can see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Um, but what's the solution? I, I, I don't know, and I think about it quite a lot. Um, but it, it definitely gave me... a I had some really dark times as a teenager because mm. the reason I stopped being Max is because I started getting boobs. And my mum said, you know, you're starting to get boobs, so, like, what, what are we going to do? 
Uh, but no, she didn't say what we're gonna do. She was kind of just like, "You've got to make, you've got to make some choices." So start to think about it. And she's, she's the way she described it was like piece of clothes at a time. I, piece of clothing at a time. I just became Lucy. But yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. That it's, writing about it in my book has yeah. been really eye-opening because I don't think I ever said goodbye to Max properly. It's really interesting. But are you glad that you're now Lucy and not Max? I'm glad that I... Well, this is, this is something I've started to accept. I am part Max, aren't I? I'm a third Max because I'm 31 and I lived as Max till I was about 11. So I am Max and I'm Lucy and um. Loads of other people that I've been as well. The thing I always find interesting is there's a lot of women around that talk about when they were younger, they were a tomboy. And I often wonder whether there are lots of women out there who, in this day and age, would have considered themselves to be trans, to, to have been, you know, a, 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 a man trapped in a woman's body or vice versa. Um, and whether that there were all those tomboys that had to just were forced to, yeah. to be to to be conventional if you like by society might now not feel compelled to do that it's interesting isn't it i knew about tomboys when i was at school sure you had tomboys at your school sort of thing i've had so yeah i've had a few girlfriends who were tomboys and they're like i was a tomboy but i wasn't a boy whereas i'm like i was Mm. a boy and i have a theory that actually you're absolutely right i have a theory that a lot of turfs radical um trans exclusionary radical feminists might quite felt that way when they were little and they're growing up in a space now where people are allowed to be whoever they want to be, and they can facilitate that, and they didn't. Well, that's the trauma, isn't it? Yeah. So. Well, I'm sure they'll be thrilled to hear you say that. <laughs> 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 Lucy, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you today. Thank you for all of those wonderful telly pics. Thank you for having me. So before we let you go, you've been busy in the studio. Tell us about your new single. My new single is called Everything Changes and it samples the my original song, my Beer Fear Last Night song. Um, it's released exactly 10 years to the day of my audition, so not to make anyone feel old here, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a remake, but it, it, it explains how everything changes in 10 years. Well, that not only marks the end of this show, but that marks the end of the first season of Teletalks. Uh, what joy it's been. Remember, you can find all our previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, For one last time this season, you've been listening to Virgin Radio Pride's Teletalks. I've been Rod. I've been Benji, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye. The Virgin Radio Pridecast, proudly supported by Disney+. Plus, Celebrating every colour of the rainbow. 